This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews, if you would, this morning. Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're going to be at this morning. We're continuing our series entitled Affliction. This is uh, week three in our brand new series as we take a look at suffering and the sovereignty of God. Uh, Many people errantly think that if you follow Jesus and you uh, give your life over to him and you do what he says, that we will no longer face trials and tribulations in this life. That could not be further from the truth, and it's not a biblical message, that's for sure. But how do we process suffering? How do we go through difficult times as Christians? Uh, do we just do like everybody else and, and uh, lay in the bed and watch TV and uh, order uh, dominoes every single night and just hope that it gets better? Or do we have a better promise than that? Uh, the Bible says we have a better promise than that for sure. Uh, so we're taking a look in this series at suffering and what it means to us. Uh, week one, we took a look at righteous suffering. What happens when you're doing everything that you should be doing? You're following after God. Now, you're doing what he asks of you to do, and difficult times come your way. Peter says, don't worry. Don't think it's strange. These things happen. Just choose to glorify God. Last week, we we, uh, kicked off a three-part mini-series, I guess you could say, on unrighteous suffering. What happens when we're rebelling against God? What happens when we're going our own way and doing our own thing and and almost shaking our fist in the face of God, choosing our own path? What happens then? And we've broken it up into three parts. I told you last week I'd originally planned this to be one big message. Uh, It would have ended up being about two and a half, maybe three hours if that were the case. So I did you a favor and split it into three smaller segments. Uh, So last week we took a look at punishment. We'll have a little bit of review on that today. Today we're taking a look at chastisement. uh, And next week we'll be taking a look at consequences. So uh, as we take a look at Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to start in verse number 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Now, the setup for this message, and again, the context is always key when we read through things, is the writer of Hebrews says, hey, remember what Jesus did for you? Remember how Jesus took your sin and he took your shame and he took it to the cross and put it to death, lest you ever forget what's been done for you. Let's remember that. Verse number five you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. A few key words here, chastening, rebuked. Verse number six, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. That word scourgeth means to, to whip or to spank every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, 
We've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. And no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. As we take a look at the idea of chastening in the Bible, this is God's loving discipline on the life of his children. It helps us to understand the parallel that he draws here between a father disciplining his son. Now, I don't know your family background and and things along those lines, so when we begin to talk about things like discipline, when we begin to talk about things like spanking, uh, when we talk to things like loving correction, based on your background, you may, those may or may not bring up good feelings in you. Remember, the, uh, as a child, I was spanked a, a lot. Um, and, the, uh, and, and again, before we get into this, this is not a lesson on parenting. If you have questions on that, I'd be more than happy to answer that and give you advice on parenting. Here's what the book of Proverbs says. To he that spareth the rod, he hateth his son. If you don't spank your kids, you don't love them. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. Now, again, if you lovingly correct and spank your children, they'll be better. They'll grow from it. It'll be a very healthy experience. If you discipline your children out of anger or to set them straight or to teach them a lesson or you do it because they've done something that uh, causes some interruption in your day, you're, you're disciplining them in a fleshly carnal way that is not good uh, and many times that can border on abuse and we're not going to go there today not a lesson on parenting we're not going to go there but we're going to talk about chastisement because God says he loves us and he's going to lovingly correct us Uh, as I said before I got spanked a lot as a kid um, probably more than I should have I remember the very last spanking that I have Uh, I don't remember the first I was way way too young to remember that but I always remember the last one um my brother was in high school marching band, and they had taken a trip to the Fiesta Bowl in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, it was the uh, middle of December or so, uh, and one of the nights that they had the, for the, uh, the marching band, they had uh, a very formal dinner together in the ballroom of the hotel that they were staying at, uh, and me and some friends that were not in band at that time, we were in, in uh, middle school at the time. I was probably, I would say, 13, 14 years old. Uh, we were sitting there in this, uh, this boring, uh, formal dining uh, situation where they bring you all these different courses of meals, and we were just bored out of our skull. And so he said, hey, why don't we see if our parents will let us walk around the hotel? And so I said, sure. And so I asked my mom and dad, hey, can me and Kevin go walk around the hotel? He said, sure. Uh, and we picked up another person to go with us, and we began to walk around the hotel. And then we realized this hotel has a swimming pool. And nobody's getting in the swimming pool. This would be a lot of fun. And so we conspired amongst ourselves to get in the swimming pool, right? Uh, Middle of December, great idea uh, to to get in the swimming pool. The problem is my parents and his parents and uh, the person who's with us didn't bother to pack swimsuits, so we just kind of improvised with what we had, right? Uh, And so there was no inappropriateness or nakedness or anything like that. We just improvised with the clothes that we had. So my young teenage mind didn't put together the fact that the ballroom where this formal meal was being held happened to overlook the same lawn that shared the swimming pool didn't put two and two together and so we're out there we're having a good time uh and me and my my friends uh in the the pool and then a group of people leave the ballroom to come to find out who's in the swimming pool in the middle of december only to find out it's me my friend, and our high school principal's teenage daughter. And so my parents go out, 
her parents come out and Kevin's parents come out and they are not happy at all, not happy at all. Uh, and so uh, we're told to immediately get out of the pool. My parents take me back to our hotel room uh, and uh, my dad sits me down and gives me a very, very stern talking to. And he said words which I still remember to this day. I'm gonna do something for you that will help you to remember this moment for the rest of your life. <laughs> Those are his words. And I said, okay, and he goes, we will never, ever come back here again. Are you clear? Yes, sir. And uh, I bent myself over the, the uh, hotel bedroom. My dad gave me a pillow to bite on so I wouldn't uh, uh, cause any cause or concern for our next door neighbors. Uh, and I got the, one of the worst spankings I've ever had in my entire life, but I remember it clearly. And I remember after that, my dad sat me down and said, son, please don't do this. He put his arm around me. He kissed me on the forehead. He told me I love me. He said, dried up. We, we're going to go back to dinner and we sit down and, and eat this, this terrible meal that we have. Uh, and we did. We went and sat back down in there and everybody was looking at me. And my dad said, don't worry about it. Just, just don't worry about what other people think about you. Just do your thing. And I remember that. And that right there is a small sliver of a picture of God's loving correction in the life of his child. As we take a look through this process, we need to understand first and foremost, if you're taking notes, and I highly recommend that you do, first of all, sin is always destructive. Anytime you choose to rebel against God's clearly defined guidelines that he has in his word, it's going to end poorly. God says go left, you go right, it's not gonna end well, simple as that. God says do this, you don't do it, it's not gonna end well for you. I promise you that sin is always destructive. Now, I know people who say, well, I know so-and-so, and they, uh, they're in sin, or they're living against God's guidelines, and their life is going really well. And I would say, for right now, the whole story has not yet been told yet. Uh, when I'm talking with single adults, I'm talking to singles about how they need to date only other Christians because the Bible says you shouldn't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. They say, well, I know a couple, they got married, and one of them's not a believer, and they're doing okay. Mm. Never, ever, ever think that you see everything that goes on. And I guarantee you, according to the Bible, they're not okay uh, the way that God intends it to be. So we can't ever go against God's plans and think that it's gonna work out well for us because sin is always destructive. Proverbs 14, 12 is in your notes. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Hey, I think this is a great idea. Not gonna end well. The Bible says that every single time. It's also important to understand that sin always separates us from God and others. Next week, we'll take a look at the consequences of our sin and how uh, we're not the only people that get affected when we make poor decisions. When we choose to rebel against God, there's a spillover effect. There is collateral damage. There is fallout that comes when we choose to disobey God. The Bible says, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Every single time we choose to rebel against God, it will end poorly. And again, it's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. Guaranteed. It's a promise from God. It's important to also understand that sin cannot go unpunished. God does not allow us to continue to sin and get away with it for as long as we want. We took a look at this last week. God's punishment for sin is death. Uh, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Now, who has sinned? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. We have all sinned against God. And here's the penalty. Here is the punishment for our sin, death. And it's not just a physical death. 
That's, that's bad enough. But on top of that, it is a spiritual death, what we sometimes refer to as the second death, what the Bible calls in Revelation chapter 20, the second death. When you die to pay for your sins, the punishment for your sin, the only way that you can make things right with God is to die physically, and then you'll be judged for your sin. And the Bible says the judgment or the penalty of that is God's eternal wrath upon you in a place called hell. Hell is a real place that burns with real fire. Real people go there. And they're separated from God for all of eternity. There's no getting out. There's no second chances. This is the punishment for your sin. So sin must be punished. We took a look at last week, the definition of punishment. Punishment is suffering, pain, or loss that serves as retribution. Retribution is the key word here. This is how God says you can make things right. You have to die. You must be punished. This is a, uh, you broke the law, you must pay the fine. You caused the trespass, you must make right the consequence. And the consequence is eternal punishment. A penalty inflicted on an offender through a judicial procedure, a form of physical pain or or deprivation, generally in proportion to the offense which gives rise to it. Uh, This is God's retribution. Punishment inflicted on someone is vengeance for wrong or criminal act. God says, you've sinned against me. The penalty of this is physical death, spiritual death. You're gonna die physically one day and you're gonna die spiritually one day. This is what you and I deserve. This is how God says you will be punished for your sin. But here's the best news in the world. God doesn't delight in punishing anyone. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. God doesn't get uh, good feelings about having to pour out his wrath and make you pay for your sin. God's given you another way. God doesn't want you to die physically and then be separated from him forever. God has created a way for you and I to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, our sin must be paid first. And the only way that one could pay for sin is if they have no sin themselves. So I couldn't pay for your sin debt. I have my own. You couldn't pay for for my sin because you have your own. We both have a debt that we cannot pay. The church cannot pay for your sins. You couldn't be baptized enough. We couldn't pass enough communion to save you from your sins. Me praying for you, having a priest pray for you, having some religious leader pray for you will not save you from your sins. The only person that could save you from your sins His name is Jesus. He was God who came in the flesh to this earth. He lived a perfectly sinless life and he died on the cross for one reason and one reason only, to pay for your sins and mine. And God says, anyone who is willing to believe in Jesus as their savior, anyone who would believe in faith that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he has paid for our sins. If we put our faith and trust in him, the Bible says we can be, here's a beautiful Bible word, saved. Saved from God's punishment, saved from hell, saved from wrath, saved from retribution. You see what God did when Jesus was on the cross? God punished Jesus in our place. You see what you and I deserved, Jesus Christ got on the cross. If you'd be willing to today, if you've never been saved before, you'd be willing today to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that he died in my place and I'm putting my faith in him as my savior. 
to save me from my sins. The Bible says you can be saved today. Jesus in John chapter three uses another word for saved. It's called born again. You might have heard somebody say the term before, oh, so-and-so is a born again Christian. That's actually a Bible term that means saved. There's been a time and place in their life where they put their faith and trust in Jesus as their savior and they were born again. The important part about that is Jesus says in John chapter three, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. It's the only way you get to go to heaven is by being saved, by having your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your savior. And if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your savior, today is your opportunity. Because if not, God's punishment God's wrath is coming for you. And I don't say that in a scary way. I don't do that to try to manipulate anyone into anything. I do that because I love you and I care about you and I wanna tell you the truth. If you are not a child of God, you will die one day and God's punishment for you is hell. But if today you would put your faith in Jesus as your savior, you can be saved and you and I will never see God's punishment. If you're, you're a child of God, there's been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, you will not see God's punishment. It's already been put on Jesus. You are free and clear from God's wrath and punishment. The good news about those that are saved or those that are born again, they'll never see hell. They'll never see God's wrath, God's punishment for their sin. So we took a look at that last week. That's a review up to this point. Now, I cautioned you last week that if you are a child of God, if you, if you do consider yourself a saved Christian, that just because you won't see God's punishment in hell doesn't mean that you get off scot-free. You see, sin always has consequences. Sin is always destructive. Sin always hurts the person and every single person that they touch every single time. In Hebrews chapter 12, we find the story of God's chastisement Now, again, it's important to define terms. What is chastisement? It's correction intended to produce righteousness. An act of correction intended to instruct and change behavior. Two basic Hebrew words express the idea to settle a dispute or to reprove, to instruct, a discipline. Greek word means to train or to educate. The idea here is that God is going to take you through a period to teach you and to train you to not go down this road again. And God does this because he loves you. God uh, also, this is God's form of discipline, definition of discipline, learning that molds character and enforces correct behavior. From a Latin word meaning instruction or training to discipline a person or a group means to put them in a state of good order so that they function in a way that is intended. God, because he loves you, cannot allow you to continue to go astray. So he does what he needs to do to pull you back on track. When you rebel against God, God loves you too much to allow you to continue in destructive behavior, so he brings you back to where you need to be. Now, God's not above using force if he needs to. God's not above making things difficult if he needs to. Hey, I'm gonna say this, God's not above making things painful in your life if he needs to, to get your attention. Now we look at this again, depending on your understanding of discipline or maybe your, your background as a child, a discipline might have a negative connotation that you think to yourself, well, God's just a jerk. God just wants to make my life hard so that I'll do what he tells me to do. No, 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 you're missing the point. God's a loving father. He wants the best for you. He wants to guide you into areas that will bring you spiritual fruitfulness. He wants to guide you into areas where you will find the most joy in life doesn't want you to be involved in destructive, 
hurtful behavior. And so he's going to lead you out of that path into a better way. You see, God's wrath is motivated by his justice. We took a look at that last week. God's punishment comes because he is just. What's the use in having rules if no one's going to enforce them? What's the purpose in having guidelines if there's no consequences when you step outside of the lines? And so God says, if you sin, you will die. That's God's justice. Again, we would like the idea of a, of a legal system that let us off the hook every time. Oh, you're speeding, slow it down next time. Oh, you ran a stop sign, come to a complete stop next time and just let everything slide, but that's not justice. We want justice. God expects justice. And because he is just, he cannot just turn a blind eye to your sin. So the idea that God is a God up in heaven that just looks at you and goes, oh, I know you're a deeply flawed human being. That's okay, just try to do better. That's not the God of the Bible. God of the Bible says, your sin sickens me. You've chosen a destructive path and it hurts my heart. You're my child. I care about you. But for those that are not children of God, God's wrath is coming just because he's just. He said he was going to do something, so he has to do it. So his wrath, his punishment is motivated by the fact that God is just. But God's chastisement is motivated by his love. Different here. If you're a child of God, you're going to endure chastisement. And God doesn't do that because he's mad, because he wants to prove a point, or he wants to show you who's boss. God does this because he loves you. God's chastisement is his firm, loving discipline in the life of his disobedient children. Our daughter Tallulah turns uh, two years old in about two weeks. If you want to see what cuteness looks like, take a look at Tallulah. She's incredible. Um, but she's gotten to the point now where she realizes right from wrong. She realizes what she should and should not do. She goes to reach for something off the table, and I say no. She stands there and looks me eyeball to eyeball and grabs it anyways. She knows. She knows she's not supposed to. And so what do I as a parent do? Sweetheart, stop that. You can't do that. Just stop it already. No, I can't. We must train her that you can't just look people in the eye and disobey them. It doesn't work that way, especially your parents. She's put herself in situations before where she's done dangerous things, going to pull things off the stove, uh, going to pull things over on her that would crush her. And what do we do? No, you cannot do this. The front door of our church uh, swings really fast, and if you get your fingers cut in there, it could probably cut off a two-year-old's fingers, right? She goes running for the door. We grab her. You cannot go near the front door because you can't go out in the street. You can't go out onto the sidewalk. You can't do it. You turn around, and she takes off running again. What are you going to do? Just say, oh, kids are just kids. What are you going to do? No, 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 no. We have to lovingly discipline her and say, you can't do that. And she looks at me as her dad, and I tell her to do something, and she goes, no, like that. Mm. We're going to unlearn this word from our vocabulary. No. Uh, but here's the thing. If I grab her by the arms and shake her, and, you don't tell your daddy no. What is that? That's abuse. 
But if I get down on her level and I look her in the eyeball and say, sweetheart, you can't say no to daddy or you're going to get a spanking. Do you understand? No. Like that. Daddy doesn't want to spank you. Do you want a spanking? No. <laughs> okay, then. Knock it off. Now, would you look at me and go, such a jerk. I can't believe you treat your kids. Just let kids be kids. Yeah, that's how you wind up with juvenile delinquents, right? Everybody, every child needs discipline. Every child. Now, some need more than others. I have boys and girls, and my boys need a little bit more discipline than my girls have um, so far. Uh, but um, everybody needs discipline. We would agree with that as far as kids are concerned. Here's what God's saying. You're a child of God. And when you step out of line and when you dis- disobey, when you misbehave, I'm gonna lovingly correct you back to where you need to be. So God's chastisement comes against his rebellious children. So when you choose, I know what I should do, but I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna rebel against God. God will get your attention and discipline you by whatever means necessary. It's important to understand from our passage this morning. Take a look at verse number seven. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Verse seven tells us that God's chastisement is only reserved for his children. If you're not saved, if there's ever been a time in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and been born again, you are not a child of God. You are are under God's wrath and punishment. God will punish you for your sin. But for those who've accepted Christ as Savior, we're no longer under the penalty of our sin, but God loves you so much that he will do whatever it takes to bring you to the point of repentance and righteousness. And this is reserved only for his children. So, important distinction. God's punishment reserved for those not his children. God's chastisement reserved only for his children. And the two will never mix. If you're a child of God, you'll never see God's uh, punishment. If you're unsaved, you'll never see God's chastisement. This is reserved for his children and his children only. And it goes on, verse number seven, take a look at this. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? What kind of kid would you have if you didn't correct them when they got out of line? What kind of child would you have if you didn't lovingly discipline them when they misbehaved? What kind of parent would you be if you saw your kids playing with something harmful and you wouldn't move it out of their way? Our daughter has um, uh, initially was, was getting in all the cabinets and pulling everything out, so you gotta put those ridiculous cabinet locks on all of your cabinets, right? Oh, the joys of having a toddler again. Um, we put those on there. Now she's gotten to the point where she can get in the drawers, and the drawers isn't a big deal. You know, she pulls out paper or rubber bands or paper clips or stuff like that. That's fine. One day she went over and she opened up the silverware drawer and she starts pulling out steak knives. Oh, now we got to put drawer locks on everything, right? Now, what kind of parent will look at that and go, whew, steak knives, hope they don't hurt themselves, right? Be careful of that. You could, like, cut your arm off or something. You know? Woo, that's crazy. Be careful over there, playing with steak knives. No, we look at that and go, whoa, 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 stop. This will hurt you. Don't ever, 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 ever touch this again. Oh, wow. You're going to get an owie. Oh, owie. And my boys, you're going to bleed out all over the kitchen floor and die. (laughs) Girls, you say owie. Boys, you say worst bloodbath you can imagine, right? But why why do you do that? Because you're a terrible father. No, because I love my children and I don't want them to hurt themselves. 
When God sees you dabbling around in sin, he's like, knock it off. And you're like, oh, but this is fun. It's not fun. It's destructive. Stop it. And some of us are just like, you're talking about God. Let me do my thing. And God will get your attention by whatever means necessary to bring you back into a right relationship with him to leave away, leave alone the things that are causing danger and destruction in your life because he loves you. It's interesting to note, again, the Bible says this, if one does not see chastisement for sin, it's because they're not a child of God. Have you ever seen people who call themselves Christians that continue to sin and sin and sin and there's no negative consequences for that? Their life just keeps getting better and better. There's a good possibility that person is not a child of God. Take a look at verse number eight. But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers. If you're a child of God, you will get spanked by your dad from time to time because he loves you, because he cares about you. But if you don't have that, verse eight, this is heavy, then ye are bastards, not sons. It's a strong word in our English vernacular, but it was strong language in the, the Greek language that it was written as well. A fatherless child, a kid who has no dad. And look, those who don't have God as their heavenly father have no father. And they're living a life ever how they want to with no chastening, no discipline, no correction because they're not children of God. I remember as a, as a kid, I was in uh, middle school at the time. Uh, there was a kid who rode our bus named Bobby. I went to public school and I rode the bus and I, I learned every wrong thing under the sun on the bus. Uh, and I've made a vow my children will never, ever, 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 ever under any circumstances whatsoever ride the bus. Uh, and so I rode the public bus to, to school, public school every day and I learned everything wrong under the sun. There's a kid on the bus that, that I thought was really cool. Other people thought he was cool. His name was Bobby. Bobby had a foul mouth. He talked about uh, girls all the time, all these girls that wanted to go out with him and be his friend and stuff like that. Well, Bobby was having a, a party over at his house on Friday night. And I'm like all of like 13, 14 years old at the time. I was like, ooh, I want to go to Bobby's party. Now, I never put two and two together until later. Bobby was 17 years old riding the bus to school. And it was, it was trying to impress 11, 12, 13-year-olds. And I put that together later in life. Thankfully, my parents saw this coming a mile away, and they go, you're not going to Bobby's house. Why? Because you got no business being at Bobby's house. Well, what's the big deal? Because Bobby's into things that Bobby shouldn't be involved with. Well, Bobby's parents don't care. And you know what she said? Never forget it. Bobby's dad's not around, Anthony. His dad left his mom, and he doesn't have anybody looking out for him. His mom works a job, and she's not around either. And so the fact that his parents don't care is not a good thing. I remember that made a mark on me. And, and if, if you have children, I want you to remember, be there in your kids' lives. Be a positive investment in their life. Discipline them when you need to. Tell them no when they need to. I remember I was so mad at my parents about that because everybody on the bus was going to Bobby's house, you know, which probably accounted like four people that I knew, right? but everybody on the bus was going to Bobby's house except for me, and I was so mad about it. But then I look back now, and I go, I had parents who cared, who told me no, and I didn't want to hear it because they loved me and cared about me, but Bobby didn't have parents that were involved in his life. And it made a difference. And God says if you see somebody continue to sin and continue to sin and continue to sin and get away with it, they're probably not my child. Because if they sin, I'm going to spank them, I'm going to put a whoop into their backside, and I'm going to get them back in line where they need to be because I love my kids. That's what God says. 
So verse number eight tells us that God only chastens, or verse seven tells us that God only chastens his children. Verse eight tells us if people are not experiencing chastening, they're not a child of God. But here's the hard part about chastening is that God's chastisement is actually for our good. Verse nine, he says, furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. Our dads in real life corrected us, spanked us when we needed to. And what do we do? We gave them reverence. We respected them. We listened to them. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Verse 10, for they verily, our dads here on earth, for a few days chasing us after their own pleasure according to what they thought was right. But God does it, why? For our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Proverbs 3.11 is in your notes here. Solomon was the wisest man to ever walk the face of the planet except for Jesus Christ himself. God asked Solomon, Solomon, you have anything in the world, what do you want? He says, I want wisdom. God says, you got it. On top of that, I'm gonna give you good looks, I'm gonna give you riches, I'm gonna give you favor, I'm gonna give you all these other things just because you asked for wisdom. So wisest man to ever walk the planet has sons. And before he dies, he wants to impart every single bit of wisdom that he can and he writes a book to his boys and says, fellas, get this. And so that's why we call Proverbs a book of wisdom. The wisest man to ever walk the planet wrote a book of wisdom to his boys and basically poured out everything in his mind and his heart. And you can read the book of Proverbs every single day for the rest of your life. You'll never unpack the wisdom that's found in that book. Oh, it's so good, so good. But here's what Solomon says to his boys. Chapter three, verse number 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. It's not a bad thing. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son, in whom he delighteth. Hey, if you love your kids, you're gonna discipline them. If you love your kids, you're going to lovingly correct them and sometimes spank them if it has to come to that. That's what the Bible says. And he says, the same way God deals with you, this is actually a good thing for you. Because when you get off track, God's gonna guide you back on track. When you get a little bit further off track, God's gonna try to lovingly, gently guide you back on track. When you get way off track, God's gonna do whatever it takes to get your attention. And it could be very painful. The best thing to do, just stay on track. Just follow God's guidelines. Don't willingly sin against God. He won't have to correct you. My, my boys got this a little bit later in life. They realized, hey, if I don't mess up, I don't get spankings, which is awesome. Uh, Thatcher, I remember he would, um, had gone to Pearl Harbor Elementary uh, and his first grade teacher said he is defiant every day. I tell him to line up, he won't line up. I tell him to open his book. He tells me he doesn't have to and just defiant behavior. And so I, he came home from school, long note from the teacher. So I, I go up to the school the next day, talk to the teacher. She goes, he is just willfully defiant. And I go, okay, we can fix that. And so I had a talk with him. Do not do this again. Okay. Teacher sends home a note the same day. I just got up there and talked to her that morning. Willfully defiant. Is this true? Yeah. Why aren't you listening to the teacher? Because I don't have to. Wrong answer. So I said, every time a note comes home, every time, you're going to get a spanking. And he goes, okay. And so we got a note that night. We got a spanking. That's true. You can't continue to live like this. If you continue to rebel against authority, you're going to wind up dead, in jail, on drugs, something. And you're in first grade, man. Come on. (laughs) 
So, next day, note comes home. Mr. King, I'm not sure what you're doing at home, but it doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> Got it. That's what happened. I don't have to listen to anybody. <laughs> That's where you're wrong. For as long as you live, you will always have to listen to someone. Just mark that down. And so, I told you, you're going to know, we're going to get a spanking. Dad doesn't enjoy this. This is not fun for me, but I cannot allow you to continue to live this way. Okay? Spanking. He cries for a minute. He's done. Next day, this is no lie. Note comes home. I'm thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. And I said, no, I said, son, if I have to come to your school one more time, if I have to get a note from this one teacher one more time, I'm going to come to your school. I'm going to pull you out of class. I'm going to spank you and send you back to class. And he goes, okay. Very well. So I sent a note back to the teacher that day and I said, hey, if you have any further problems with Thatcher, please don't send a note home. Please call me. Here's my work number. And uh, I was in the Navy at the time, and so I uh, get a phone call at my office, and he says, uh, hey, this is Thatcher's teacher. I just wanted to let you know he continues the behavior that we've been talking about. I said, great. Um, tell him I'll be right there. And she goes, okay. And so I turned to my senior chief. I said, hey, senior chief, I got to go. I said, I got to think at my kid's school. He said, no problem, go. And so I go, and I knock on the door. The teacher opens up the door, and Thatcher turns ghost white. <laughs> ghost white. And I said, hey, bud, come with me. And he was like, no, 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 no. Come with me. No, 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 no. And he said, whole, I said, we're just going to go to the bathroom. And he was like, no, 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 dad, I promise, dad, no, no, no. And so the whole time we're walking to the bathroom, dad, no, 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 no. And we get in the bathroom, and some poor little uh, kindergartner is in the, the handicap stall, which we need to use, uh, right, because you need the extra room in there in the handicap stall. <laughs> So we're waiting out there, and the whole time he's going, Dad, I'm sorry. Dad, I'm sorry. Dad, you don't have to do this. I go, I go, I have to do this now. And he's like, no, you don't. I promise you don't. You don't have to do it. I promise. And I said, Thatcher, I've got to do it. And so the kid comes out of the stall, and I'm standing there, and Thatcher's like, Dad, we don't have to do this. And the kid's over there washing his hands, like looking at us and everything. <laughs> go on, kid. Go on. We got some business to take care of. And so we went in there, and I said, son, I'm sorry that I have to do this, but we're not going to do this any longer. And I'm going to give you something that will help you to remember <laughs> so we don't ever have to come back here again. And so I said, you see that little railing that they have right there? Grab it with both of your hands. And he did. And I spanked him in the bathroom at Pearl Harbor Elementary, home of the sharks. Um, <laughs> and I said, son, dry it up. You don't want to go back in class with red eyes. And everybody's going to ask you what you've been doing while your dad came here. Just settle down, get it together, go back to class. And you know what? I didn't get a note the rest of the year. Not one. And you look like, you're a terrible father. No, I'm a loving father. And I believe over the next 20 or so years, it proved that the path that we had taken of lovingly disciplining our children and helping them when they get out of line proved fairly fruitful, I would say. Now, again, why did I do that? I did it for his benefit. I want him to know you can't rebel against authority. You can't defy people. It's a six-year-old, you know? These things follow you in life. And so I didn't do it out of anger or frustration. I never even raised my voice in that bathroom, not one single solitary time. I never got out of hand. I never had to call a name. I never had to make a threat. I never had to demean or be ugly or talk angry. I just lovingly said, son, we can't do this anymore. God does the same way for us. It's for our good. Job chapter 5, the Bible says, Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not the chastening of the Almighty. Job himself said, hey, when God corrects me, I'm thankful for it. 
See, God's chastisement is not pleasant, but it calls us to repentance. Take a look at verse number 11. Now, no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. The writer of Hebrews says, chastening is not fun. It's actually the opposite. It's not joyful. It's hard. It's painful. It hurts. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. You know what it brings back out? It brings out righteousness and repentance. You see, God's chastisement's not pleasant, but it calls us to repentance. The whole purpose of this is God to say, hey, knock it off. Hey, come on. You're not gonna live this way. Hey, you're my child. I paid way too much for you. I've invested too much in you. I've done too much for you to allow you to blow it all now. Get back on track. And God lovingly brings us back to a place of repentance. But here's the thing. You and I have a choice of what we're going to do with our chastening. We can choose to buck against God, blow off God's chastening, continue to go our own way. And I will tell you this, it gets worse and worse and worse. I have a man that I've been trying to help for probably two decades get his life on track with God. He's a saved man. How do I know that he's saved? He's not walking with God, hasn't walked with God in two decades. You say, how do you know that he's saved? Because God has chastened him again and again and again and again. He's lost everything. He's lost his business. He's lost his home. He's lost his wife. He's lost his kids. He's lost his honor, his respect, his good name. He's lost everything. And it continues to get worse and worse and worse. And I say, hey, God's trying to get your attention. And he says, no, I don't want to hear that. No, no, no. Everything that you're going through is God trying to say, hey, knock it off, get back on track. But you refuse to do that. And so you have a choice when faced with God's chastisement to say, nope, I'm good. I can handle this. I'm strong enough. I just want my own way. It doesn't work that way. When you rebel against God, God's chastening continues to get worse and worse because God just wants you to repent. God wants you to come out and say, hey, I was wrong. God, I don't want to make this right. I can't live this way any longer. And if you think that you can, first of all, endure the chastening of God and just come out on the other side without repenting, you've misunderstood who God is. Secondly, if you think you can continue in your sin and, God, and God's just gonna turn a blind eye to it, you don't understand who God is. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. Even if it's secret sin, it's gonna be exposed one day. I guarantee you that. We have family members whose secret sin was exposed after they died and they start going through their stuff and it's just like, oh, didn't know this was here. This is painful. Just know your sin is gonna come out eventually. The best thing to do is get out in front of it. Repent, say, God, I messed up. I blew it. I'm wrong. I want to make it right. And God's going to remove his hand of chastening and give you his hand of love and grace and bring you back to where you need to be. God doesn't delight in chastening. It's not fun for him. And any parent that enjoys spanking their kids is is sick. No parent enjoys having to discipline their children. It's the worst thing in the world as a parent to do. But if you love your kids, you do it. God loves his children, so he chastens them and brings them back to repentance. Revelation 3.19, God says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chase and be zealous therefore and repent. The whole goal of chastisement is repentance. God's chastisement should lead us to righteousness. 
Verse 11, the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. If God loves me and corrects me and spanks me and gets me back in line, then the end result is I'll do the right thing. Righteousness, peaceable fruit of righteousness. I mean, just doing the right thing. I know what I'm supposed to do and I want to do it. I know what I'm supposed to do and I enjoy doing it now. Not because I have to, because I get to. And God's whole purpose with chasing is to bring us back into a right relationship with him. Final thoughts this morning, we're done. First of all, God loves his children too much to allow us to continue in destructive behavior. Just can't. God's not gonna let you play with steak knives in the, in the silverware drawer. He loves you too much. God's not gonna let you continue to dabble in sin. Loves you too much. God's not gonna let you continue to look at pornography because he knows it's gonna rot your soul. Whatever he's got to do to bring you back, he's going to do it, whether it's exposing your sin. I, I know men that have lost their jobs because of pornography. Is it worth it? I don't think so. And they look at this and go, I don't believe how God could do this to me. It wasn't that big of a deal. If you ever think that sin is not a big deal, you have grossly misunderstood God's view of sin. You say, are you saying that God would cause somebody to lose their job because of porn? Yeah, I've seen it happen before. And the worst part is, those people didn't receive the chasing of the Lord. They bucked against it. If God's so loving, God's so caring, why would he do this to me? If you love God, why would you sin against him? Those inappropriate text messages, that flirty flirt talk that you have in the office, just know that's gonna be exposed one day and you gotta, you gotta shut it off. Inappropriate, never, under any circumstance. That gossip, that chit-chat about other people, that's got to be shut down. Otherwise, God's going to either expose your sin or he's going to correct you for your sin, and it's not going to be pleasant. The whole idea here is God saying, hey, if you can handle this and repent, then we can move on. But if not, I'll handle it for you. There's been times for my kids I've had to say, hey, if you're willing to make this right, that's fine. If not, I'll make it right for you. I don't want to do that. I don't delight in it. But I cannot allow you to continue in destructive, rebellious behavior because I love you too much. And Christian, if you are in sin, God will do whatever it takes to bring you back into righteousness, even if it's painful for you. You go, well, that's really harsh. No, God has your best interest in mind because when you get through the pain of chastisement, on the other side of that, you'll have the peaceable fruit of righteousness. For my kids, every single time they've ever gotten a spanking, we sit down afterwards, I put my arm around them, I tell them I love them, that I don't ever want to have to spank them again for the rest of their lives, that I'm not mad at them, I don't think they're a terrible person, they've just sinned against God, against the parents, and now we've got to make it right. And they've been spanked, and we pray about it, and I said, hey, let's just get on with our night. There were times as a kid that I was disciplined in a way that I would say would be ungodly. My parents disciplined me out of anger. Now I've gotten spanked so many times out of anger, or you ruined our night, now we're going to ruin yours. Man, you messed up family dinner. Now you get no dinner. And things like that are not godly. That's not godly correction. That's not godly discipline. And so depending on where you come from, you may have experiences like that where you look at this and you go, oh, how can a loving God discipline? A loving God says, hey, come on. You're better than this. You have all the tools at your disposal that you need. Let's get through this. Let's, let's come out. You're better than this. When faced with suffering in our lives, we have to ask ourselves the question, is this chastening? Anytime hardships come into my life, I ask God the question, God, are you trying to get my attention for something because you got it? 
God, is there something in my life that's not right? If so, I want to make it right. Now, I want to be very careful with this because I want you to understand that God doesn't cause the transmission to go out on your car because you missed church one time, okay? I've known people before who are like, oh, I shouldn't have slept in on Sunday morning. That's why our transmission went out on Monday morning. God doesn't work that way, okay? And so, again, the idea that God is some God that needs to be constantly appeased, otherwise he's going to hit us with a bolt of lightning, is not a picture of the biblical God either. But when I go through trials, I have to stop and say, God, are you trying to get my attention for something? If so, you got it. And I take an inward look. You see, we want to look at God and find out all the problems that's wrong with God. We need to flip it and look in the mirror and say, what's wrong with me? Is there something in my life that's not right? If so, I want to make it right. If there's something in my life that, I, that you're trying to teach me, I want to be ready to receive that. I want to learn from that. I want to be better because of it. And sometimes the answer is just God wants glory through your life, and you haven't done anything wrong. There's nothing you need to make right, nothing you need to repent of. But sometimes God gets your attention through chastening. And so when faced with trials and difficulties in life, we need to ask ourselves, God, is there something in my life that's not right? If so, I want to make it right. And again, every wrong thing that goes wrong in your life isn't because you're in sin. And again, the idea that, that God needs to be continually appeased, otherwise he's going to do bad things to us is not a picture of who God is. But if you're being rebellious against God, willingly, you need to ask yourself the question, is what I'm going through, is this chastening? Again, not punishment. Punishment is a tit for tat. Punishment is you've done the crime, you're gonna pay the time. Chastisement is, hey, do I have your attention now? Let's knock this off. Let's get back on track. At the end of the day, all suffering is meant to drive us to God in humility and complete dependence. Whether it's righteous suffering, I'm doing all the right things, and difficulty comes to my life. Unrighteous suffering, I'm doing all the wrong things, and difficulty comes to my life. Both of those are meant to drive us to God in humility and full, complete dependence. God, I need you. I'm, I'm toast without you. If you don't fix this, I'm done. I don't know what else to do. That's what suffering's meant to do, to show us that we aren't in charge, to show us that we need something greater than ourselves, that we need a power higher than the power that we possess, that we don't have all the answers, that we need to come to someone who has all of the answers and they can see us through it. And here's the best news of all. Suffering due to sin is completely avoidable. You don't want to be chastised? Great, just obey God. You don't want God to put you through the difficult molding process that you need to go through, great, just do what God tells you to do. And you won't have to endure the chastening. My son Vanderlei turns uh, 18 in like four months. I really can't remember the last time I spanked him. I mean, the kid's nearly my size now, it would be fun. Uh, but um, I honestly, I don't remember the last time. He was probably, I would say, 10 or 12. Um, Vanderlei at a young age was very, very tender. When, when faced with doing wrong, he'd always just break down in tears. I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did this. And it was real. It wasn't like he knew what to say, you know. And, and even now, as a teenager, sometimes I have to say, hey, I saw this on your phone. You want to tell me what that's about? He'll just break down in tears. Dad, I, I promise everything's on the up and up. I promise you that. You, you can take a look at this. Here's why I did this. Here's what it says. I know it might look that way, but it's not the case. You can have my phone. You can take my phone away. I don't care. You can smash the phone with a hammer if you want to, Dad. I don't care. I just want you to know I'm not trying to do anything wrong. And I don't have to spank him. I don't have to smash his phone with, with a hammer. You know why? Because he's tender. He wants to do the right thing. Hey, don't say stuff like that to girls because they get the wrong idea, okay? Well, I was just trying to tell her that that dress she had on was really cool. Girls don't see it that way, okay? 
what it mean anything by it? What, she doesn't understand that. So just dial it back a notch. And you know he says, okay, I didn't know. Thank you. What if he said, well, you know what? I'm old enough to pay my own cell phone bill. What are you doing looking through my cell phone after all? Hmm. That conversation is going to go a little bit of a different direction. Why? Because of his response to correction. I can't tell you the last time I had a spanking. And uh, Thatcher, after that, that time with his, uh, his first grade teacher, we went a long stretch without ever having a spanking after that. You know why? Because his heart changed. If your heart's right with God, you don't need chastisement. You just need to continue coming back to God for what you need day by day. Most important thing in the world, though, is this. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again. Know this. You've got much worse than chastisement coming. You have God's punishment coming for eternity. Chastisement, this says here, is only for a short period of time, and then it brings forth a lot of really good fruit after that. God's punishment is the opposite of that. There's nothing coming for a little while, and then God's wrath and punishment come for all of eternity after that. So friend, if you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, let today be the day that you say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he died for my sins. I'm willing to put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Savior today and be saved. Today is your opportunity to get out from under God's wrath and punishment and become a child of His. Christian, if you're here today and there's sin in your life you're not willing to make right, you are currently going through chastisement or you will very soon. You can avoid all that just by making things right with God today. Whatever God's spoken to you about, I want to challenge you to be obedient to that this morning. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.